DJ Chase got beats. Peace and blessings, people. You are now listening to Do It Your Damn Self with Jada Taylor. and blessings peace and blessings welcome back welcome back <laughs> hey everybody i hope um you know everybody's having a great week i hope that everybody is on their way to spring break and when i say on your way i don't mean necessarily going somewhere but i just mean i hope you are about to go on a break from work from life maybe <laughs> responsibilities i am i am talking to you on the eve of my spring break actually um i am very excited because last year city teachers did not get a spring break so you know this is this is a big deal i'm not going anywhere i'm not traveling um my husband is though he's actually going to be out of town this weekend so you know i kind of sacrificed my travel so that he could go and, um, you know, go down to Atlanta, do some work and, you know, build his, his business and his brand. So I will be here, but I will be having, you know, like a little mini staycation of my own. I plan on going to the bookstore, getting some books. Um, so I'm excited about that. The book club read this month is Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler. So, yeah, I'm excited to start that. And um, I think I'm actually going to get Life After Death. I know. I told y'all I would probably read it, and I am. (laughs) So I'll probably do that. And um, I got some other things lined up. Some I have a, you know, little interview. I got some interviews coming out soon. So, you know. You know, keep an eye out for that <laughs> um, and just other like self-care types type stuff. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else can we talk about with me before I get into the topic? Oh, I'm on Apple Podcasts now. So, OK, I think I need to confirm by the time this episode is up and I promote it on Instagram, I will have confirmed. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, looking through Apple Podcasts and I saw myself and um, I'm subscribed to myself, but I don't know if it's real or not. So can you guys try to find me? Like try to find me on there and see. Um, <laughs> do it your damn self is on Apple Podcasts. Star, maybe. Yeah, so let's get into today's topics. I'm recording from the bed right now. I'm chilling, y'all. I'm on break. Homegoing. I told you guys I would give you a review of Homegoing. Um, so I can't wait to talk about that. Tina Turner uh, says goodbye in her own way. So I want to talk about that. And the Genius series. Uh, this season was focused on Aretha Franklin. So I uh, just finished that last night and I want to talk about it. So, yeah, let's get into it. So I've been telling you guys that I'm in a book club and this month's reading was Homegoing by Yag Yasi. And I'm late to the party on this book, y'all. Like, <laughs> hello, bookstagrammers. Why didn't y'all tell me about this book? Um, it was phenomenal. It really, really was. Like, I can't, I can't say enough about it. Um, I don't want to give too much away. 
but basically it's a tale of two generations of the same family um, but the family tree breaks off and the, they go in different directions um, and it's very interesting to read the paths that the that the family takes when I first started reading it I was like okay um, it's gonna follow you know there's a family tree at the front so I was like okay it's gonna follow a family but each chapter is from the point of view of a different family member like I had gotten so invested in the in the first two chapters that I was like oh I can't wait to read what's gonna happen next with this person and then it goes to another family member and I'm like oh man but I mean that initial disappointment aside I was blown away by the entire book and in our book club meeting we talked a lot about the weight and guilt that followed both family lines throughout their journeys and we talked about how specifically as black people people of color we feel that guilt of either carrying pain that our ancestors have experienced that we do not even know about and also the fact that they have made those sacrifices for us and we'll never understand what that was like for them um, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot since I finished the first season season of Lovecraft Country I mean y'all if y'all have not watched that watch that okay get on that but there was a particular episode that really stuck with me and and really honestly became the the catalyst for me writing this new book that I'm working on the sacrifice that Nana Hattie made generations like in the show in Lovecraft they the, the generations later of the Freeman family had no idea who Nana Hattie was and that she had existed you know and we will never know the sacrifices that those who came before us made for us and that is a lot to think about like I'm getting emotional just the, I, I mean I got emotional last night and I'm getting emotional just thinking about it again it's a lot because you think about well I take so very much of my life for granted but there's someone who had to endure enormous pain I can't even in my lifetime fathom and I will never be able to thank that person. I will never be able to know their name. I will never be able to know exactly what happened to them because transatlantic slave trade, because years and years of erasure. <laughs> you know, it's um, it's a lot. I thought about it especially too after um, Chadwick Boseman passed. That weight and fulfillment um, or obligation to Black people to be theirs. So much so that, you know, he suffered in silence just under the weight of having to tell black stories. And like he made no qualms that he was telling black stories. Like he did not um, not have a role where he was not speaking for us, to us, through us. And to have to bear the burden of your own physical decline and to know that death is near and to know that you're at the end of your life but to say I'm gonna take this time that I have left and use that I'm gonna take this time I have left sorry <laughs> and use that to 
talk to my people and tell my people's stories, that, that is something that I could only hope to leave behind. So yeah, <laughs> it, uh, it got real. Um, Y'all, re-homegoing. It came out in 2016. I wish I had known about it then. Um, it is it is phenomenal. Yag Yasi is she's just goat status for this, and I can't wait to read more of what she has. And I can't wait for you guys to read my book. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm feeling so inspired, y'all, because I told y'all I have not been working on it, but I'm feeling so inspired. So genius. I had actually never heard of this show until the Aretha Franklin season was being promoted. It's not because like I don't pay attention. It's mostly because I have basic cable. So National Geographic is not included with that. And that's where Genius airs. So it really didn't like I didn't see commercials it didn't come across my timeline. I was very pleasantly surprised to see it come up on Hulu. And I'm able to watch it on my Hulu. So I've been watching it and I just finished it last night. And I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. First of all, let me just say that um, the costume design, the looks were on point. Now, Cynthia Erivo, who you might know her from The Color Purple. I hope you do, um, because she was phenomenal as Celie in The Color Purple. She um, plays Aretha Franklin. And now when you think of her, when you see her, you're like, eh, like aesthetically, she really doesn't look like Aretha, right? Like she is a lot darker. Um, she's very toned. And um, yeah, she's very fit. She works out a lot. She's very toned. She's like a little bit shorter. Um, so you don't really think of her when you think of Aretha Franklin. But the styling and design and the costuming, like the way they had her styled, she looked like Aretha Franklin to me. Like as the episodes went on, I felt like I was looking at a young Aretha Franklin. Um, and even towards the end, you know, because like I was watching it and like my, my husband didn't watch it with me, but he was in the background. Um, shout out to DJ Chase. <laughs> he does my beats. But yeah, he was in the background and he was like, oh, that. That, Aretha was a you know she was a big girl like why 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 and then towards the end of the series they actually put weight on Cynthia Erivo and had her looking you know heavy how our girl Aretha looked towards the end of her life you know and it was I thought it was just I thought it was great I thought it was great the styling it's Courtney B Vance played CL Franklin Aretha Franklin's father I thought he looked good um I had never really seen pictures of the real CL Franklin so I googled him and they did a great job on you know casting him and then um her sisters like the time periods everything just felt authentic and natural I really enjoyed like visually how pleasing it was um and Everybody was in it. I felt like a lot of people were in it. Um, I, I'm real. I'm really like I'm big on names and like actors and stuff. So I'm a name people, but I'll tell you where they're from. So like Mark, I think it's Mark Richardson, who was Reggie in Dear White People. He was in it playing her saxophonist, King Curtis. Um, who else? Shamari from Black was in it. Mila from 702 was in it. 
they they were both the lead singers. I told you, I really like names and stuff. <laughs> who else was? There were so many people that were like popping up. Oh, Faith, the lady who played Faith, Antonique Smith. She was in it playing Aretha's mother. It was it was a lot of little people in it that popped up, and I was like, oh, I recognize you. I know you. I know you. So it was it was cool to see just like just black folks just working you know the pandemic and stuff i know it's been hard for creatives so it was good to see people working i know a lot of people had issue or take issue not just with this but with uh british actors or non-american black actors playing roles of prominent um african americans american black people um that's that's i know that's been a concern for a long time I saw the criticism around it with Judas and the Black Messiah you know and I see a lot of people while they're in support of all black people from the diaspora they may not necessarily feel like they should play these roles specifically now Cynthia Erivo was British and I thought I thought she was a great choice I mean she can sing she can act you know it felt real and authentic to me you know, British actors have a great way of masking their accents when they talk. You can't even tell. Like a lot of people, like um, old boy that plays Spencer on All American. Like when people heard him talk for the first time, they were like, you're British? Old boy from For Life who plays um, Aaron Wallace. He's British too, right? Daniel Kaluuya, um, John Boyega, all these black artists um, and actors who are British, David Oye, um, Oye, Oye Lewo, Oye Lewo, I think it is. He played Martin Luther King. You know, so um, people definitely, you know, they criticize that. They feel like sometimes, you know, those actors may not have the range and experience and be able they, to bring the depth to the role of what someone like Aretha Franklin experienced and lived in her life as a black woman growing up. Um, in the Midwest, you know, born in the South and growing up in the Midwest in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. You know, so that is something that's very specific to um, Black American history. Although, of course, Black people from all over the world have experienced varying degrees of the same experience, right? Because just there's a just there's a universal factor that comes along with being black, but there are experiences experiences that are relevant to where you are in the world, where you, you know, what edge of the world your your diaspora ends up on. So, you know, I, I know people had criticisms with that. I was not one of those people. I am here for Cynthia Erivo. She can sing her face off. Okay. She literally brought me to tears at the end of the color purple. Um so much so that I go back and listen to that rendition, that um, the closing finale rendition of the color purple from the soundtrack. And even while I'm listening to it, I remember how I felt watching them sing it, watching her sing it in person, and I still get emotional. Like, I've never really, that's not, that's not happened to me with a lot of singers before. She brought me to tears with her voice. She got it. And 
hey, baby, if you're gonna play Aretha and you're gonna do it on a TV series, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sing. Okay. Now I could think of a few black actresses, black American actresses that could have killed that. Maybe Amber Riley. I could have seen her killing it. She can sing her face off. Okay. Jasmine Sullivan would have been great, you know. Um Jennifer Hudson is already doing the Aretha film. So, you know, there's a few people that could have done it, definitely. But I do not think that Cynthia Erivo was the wrong choice. I won't say that because she's British, that she was the wrong choice. Um, I felt like she, when it came to the vocal, she gave what it needed to give. Now, as far as the acting, she's a great actress. I don't know if she embodied Aretha enough um, in her acting. I have not seen Aretha Franklin speak. You know, I I hadn't watched interviews with her. I can't say if she captured her essence, her speaking voice, her demeanor, her personality presence. Um, Cynthia Erivo is very, she she's very mellow in her delivery. And I think most British actors do that with the exception of maybe John Boyega and Daniel Kaluuya, who I can think of now. But I think most of them do that to mask their accents because I feel like if they raise their voice too much, they start yelling and screaming, their accent is going to come out because that happens to everybody no matter where you're from. <laughs> I know for me, when I start screaming, my accent, come, my New York accent comes all the way out. Um, so she's very mellow in the way she delivers her line. It was very much, oh, well, thank you, mister. All right. I sure do appreciate the feedback. You know, like, it was like really, (laughs) y'all don't make fun of my acting, but it was really mellow in her delivery in the sense that I I could tell she was trying to keep the accent at bay and embody the Southern drawl that, um, you know, would have come from Aretha Franklin's, you know, Midwestern Detroit accent. I just say she did a good job. Now, somebody who I felt like did, act their ass off was Courtney B. Vance. Like he give that man his flowers between Lovecraft Country and this, that man is killing it. I I don't know um, C.L. Franklin from a hole in the wall, but he was C.L. Franklin. Okay. He was him. And that's point blank period. He, at this point, he's out acting his wife, Angela Bassett. Uh, yep. I said it. And she's a, Legendiana, okay, we're not taking that from her, but man is out here acting, so you know, give sir his stuff, give sir all his things, let him come collect them because y'all really snubbed Lovecraft during the award season. Let's talk about it <laughs> or not, child, because I ain't got the time, but yeah, Aretha, she went through some stuff in her life. And that's just being nice to say just some stuff. I mean, I could not imagine how she even came out of that to to get to the level of success that she was. You know, like for anybody to make it out of that and not be, you know, a, a legend, legendary voice is would be amazing. But for her to rise up that much and get to the level that she got from where she came from, talk about the trenches. Y'all new artists and stuff, y'all don't know what the trenches is. This lady lost her mom at the age of, I want to say nine, lost her mom at nine. Her mom was only 34 when she died. 
Okay, let's talk about that. Her mom died of a heart attack at 34 because her philandering father got a 12-year-old pregnant. Yeah, and he was a reverend. So, you know, he was out there fraternizing with the congregation, got a 12-year-old pregnant, broke mom's heart. She moved away to Buffalo and eventually died of a heart attack or stress or broken heart. C.L. Franklin didn't come to her funeral, basically would just wash his hands of his poor wife. So her mom dies at nine. She gets pregnant at 12. The way they depicted it in the um, series was that she was out on the road with her dad. And, you know, in one scene, she goes to a juke joint or a bar and they offer her a drink. And she's seen dancing with this this young man who had been like, you know, kind of chatting her up the whole time she was on the road and I was just I was I I was side eyeing that already like sir like why every time I turn around you sitting next to this 12 year old girl trying to have a conversation like asking her how her day was and all this stuff like nope don't nobody take that much interest in kids that's not there so that don't have no unsavory intentions okay so you know I was already side eyeing that and then um he's seen again at the bar taking her away from another man who was offering her a drink and he kind of like, Hey, come dance with me. And then in the next scene, she's like, Oh, I'm pregnant. You know? So maybe it was implied that he was the, the father of the, of the child. But I know Aretha Franklin, um, did not really like to talk about those early pregnancies. So, um, and they never say his name in the film. Every time someone like would ask her and it would only happen twice. Like the first time they were like, what boy did this to you? You know, when she first found out and she just looked at them like, don't ask me no more. And they were like, okay, we'll leave it alone. You're going to have a baby. We'll take care of it. So she's all of 12. She got on school dresses and ponytails and a little curly bang and a baby in her arms and the baby is half her size and it's just heartbreaking to see. Um, and then gets pregnant again at 14. I did my research and it turns out that the same man fathered both of those children. But again, in the show, they asked little, little Reed is what they call her. They asked little Reed, who's the father? No, no words. <laughs> just that look. Don't ask. And I thought that was nice that they honored they talked about it because it needed to be mentioned and you know of course there's dramas tv people want all the juice they want all the tea um so they included it but they respected her wishes of not naming the father and they they did it in the right way so you know she had two kids by 14 she was married by like what 19 to a man who who met her when she was like 10 11 years old singing at her father's church and he showed up i was like hey ain't that the husband because they they did a lot of um flash forward flashback they did a lot of like jump time jumping and stuff like that so i'm like wait a minute he met her when she was like 10 he like hey how you doing she's like my name is Aretha, and i'm like oh man how old was this man when she married him because it was the same actor playing him when she was 19 they was married <laughs> oh boy so i tell you um, but they flash forward real quick. So like her dad, C.L. Franklin, gets killed. Um, and it, it not automatically. So he was shot. Um, but he actually ended up in a coma for five years. 
inside, I was like, mm, well, karma, right? Because he was not, uh, I don't want to judge, but he was a flawed man. Like the way um, Courtney Vance portrayed him, he was such a presence that to have him in a coma, like not being able to talk, walk, speak, hear, you know, for five years, I know that was like tough. That was like losing him for those five years. Um, so that was very, that was very sentimental to me. It goes really quick after that. It goes to the eighties. Um, and it finally ends around 1998, where she performed at the Grammy. She performed an opera, opera song at the Grammys and they show like the real Aretha Franklin performing it. And they show some photos of her at the end. It was, it was very nice, nice ending. Um, they had to really speed it up at the end. They could have gave it 10 episodes. I feel like they could have. Um, but you know, I guess they only want to do eight and they had to fast forward, you know, um, 10, 15 years in the last episode. So I don't know. I felt like it was a slow build to get to that last episode. And then it's like, wait, I'm just gonna, we in, now we in the eighties, now we in the nineties almost, you know, she, she saw a lot of loss in her life. She saw a lot of success, you know, it wasn't easy. I think you should check it out. Tina Turner is saying goodbye. And I wanted to talk about it because this podcast is called Do It Your Damn Self. And I feel like she's saying goodbye in her own way. She's suffering from many different health problems. I know one I saw was cancer. There was some other ones. She's also, what, 81, 82 now. Um, and there's a new documentary coming out about her on HBO Max. She's giving recorded confession and interviews, like they're interviewing her. and um she stated that this was her this was her farewell you know like she is going to live the rest of her life out of the spotlight she knows that she probably you know might not have long to live so she's saying goodbye to her fans now and I thought that that was really beautiful just imagine if <laughs> you know if we had time to say goodbye how impactful that could be for the people we leave behind you know, and I think this has a this goes into a lot of what I was talking about in the beginning with home going, especially like when I was talking with Chadwick Boseman, you know, to live out your life, know that it's almost over and do things on your own terms and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say goodbye now, you know, so that when I go, it's not a shock. It's not a surprise. People not falling down, screaming crazy. You know, I I'm letting y'all know. Thank you. I came and did what I needed to do and I'm receiving this, this, this journey. I'm going to watch the documentary just to see it. I know I'm going to cry because I'm just an empath like that. Yeah. I just thought it was beautiful. So I was like, yeah, man, I definitely got to talk about that on the podcast, man. Cause honestly the goodbye, I, you know, for the, it's for the public. Um, but it's for also for the, the person, you know, that's doing it. I'm sure she's made peace with her family members, things like that, um, and said her goodbyes to them. But, you know, to do it to us publicly, that's a gift. Like, she doesn't owe us that. Yeah, you know, I know that's not, like, the most uplifting way to end, but I thought, I saw beauty in that. So I hope that you can see beauty in that, um, and that when that time comes for Ms. Turner, Ms. Anime Bullock, we receive that with peace and knowing that, um, she, she said her goodbye. She was ready to go. So yeah, 
that's my message, guys. Take take that energy into what you do for the next week, for the next few days, for the next hour. Your terms, right? Make peace on your terms. Do it your damn self. We out here, man. We are out here. Listen. I hope that you guys will continue to interact with me on Instagram. Please keep letting me know how you're enjoying the show. It brightens my day. It fills my cup. It ruffles my feathers. Wait, no, it don't ruffle my feathers. It puts a, what is it? Oh, it puts a feather in my cap. Okay. <laughs> I got it. Um, So, I yes, I'm on Apple Podcasts now. So, rate, you know, rate me and leave me some comments and stuff, you know. Love on, love on a sister. Love on me. Love on me. Love on me. And, you know, whatever you do this week, man, I hope you're happy. I hope you're safe. And I hope you're enjoying it. I will see you on the next one later. DJ Chase got beat.